Jesus was not tolerant. Jesus spent time with them, loved them, but preached the gospel. And if they did not want to listen to the gospel, what did it says in the Bible? He dust off his feet and went on to the next town. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Men's Pit Podcast with Patrick, Dennis, and Ephraim. And this is a podcast where, no matter what your background, no matter where you've been, we're all under, we've all been pulled out of this pit as men, and where God has taken us from the mire and the stuff that we're in, and has pulled us out and set us on higher ground. And one of the things about this, is that we're all right now in this place. We're trying to figure out how to walk this life of Christ out. And we are, we're doing it together because we all need hands to reach us to pull us out. Today, we're going to be talking about Galatians. And that's what we're going to be going through. Galatians chapter uh, one, uh, verses one through nine. And this has been something that has been very just leaning on my heart lately um, in my own personal life where it's just, Lord, where is it that you really want me to go? How is it? How do you really want me to be and, and walk as a man in this life? And it's been, I've been having this, been going through this kind of like spiritual awakening and where guys like, Hey, go back to your roots and Go back and, and start walking the path that you originally started walking on. And what that means for me, actually, is about a year ago, year and a half ago, I was just starting to walk again. And where I started to walk again in, in, in a previous episode where I was showing you all the lessons I was learning while walking this path, I started to learn how to walk on this thing called the Greenway here in Tennessee in White House. And... It was this time with God where I would be in my word and I'd be reading and I'd be praying and I would have this amazing, intimate time with God and life started to happen. Different things started to happen and I really started to stop doing that walk. And the next thing I know, one week had went by, two weeks had went by, and then months had went by and I wasn't out there walking on that path, had that time with God. I would read my Bible. I would pray sporadically and, and or not sporadically, but I'd read and pray, but it wasn't that same intimate walk with God. And so about about a month ago, the Lord was just like, I think you lost your first love. So I'm out here doing all these things of service. Ministry is just starting to blow up in a different kind of way. But I was starting to feel very empty inside. Like something was just missing in my life. And so 
what ended up happening, I got convicted. I was actually teaching the teenagers um, with uh, a buddy of mine. His name is Jeremy, and he's uh, uh, a youth, uh, uh, the youth leader at our church. And we were talking about what sins were and, and all this kind of stuff. And of course, the teenagers that was there, they named off the typical sins, adultery, lying, stealing, murder, all this, excuse me, all these other kind of things. And when I name this off, the Holy Spirit was just like, okay, that this is verse in the Bible that says, him that knows to do good and do it for not to him is sin. And he was like, what about the things that you're supposed to do that you're not doing? And man, that in the middle of teaching these kids, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks right between the eyes. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, really right now? And and he was like, yeah, that doesn't necessarily condemn us. But what he does is he brings these things up in our hearts so he can, because he wants to give us grace to actually start to deal with these things. And there was no condemnation in it. It was just like, hey, maybe if you know that you're supposed to read your Bible, it says, from the notes you could. And do this or not to him in a sin. I never really would have thought that, like me going on that path and have that intimate time with God for me personally. All right, because that's my conviction between me and God, where I know it's that thing that's supposed to be good because it's different for everybody. Like, there's, um, it talks about that in the Bible also. For me, that was a, that was an issue. That was a sin because I knew I should have been doing those things. I knew I should, because he wants to take me to this other level. And I wasn't paying attention to that. I go and start going in this path and I'm like, Lord, just what is it that you want me to hear from you and stuff like that? And he was like, he took me into Galatians, like just clear days, like you like Galatians and, and I'm just, okay, Lord. And it was like Galatians 3:20, And I started reading that. And then as I started reading Galatians, I started seeing, this is how, um, one of the greatest Books of the Bible that talks about how you're supposed to walk out your life as a Christian and as a man and different things like that. And recently, this past week, I've been getting, I, I, was, I went back and started going from Galatians 1, and we're going to go through that together. That's the, that's how we got here today is just the Lord was just like, hey, your brothers need to learn how to walk the way I want them to walk and not be compromising in their ways and their thoughts. And stuff like that. And so this first one is Galatians 1 through 9. And the thing that this talks about, and Eve, you could do me a favor. If you could read out verses 1 through 3 real quick. And while he's looking for that, one of the things that this is, is are we preaching a different gospel? Are we preaching a different gospel with our lives? Are we diff preaching a different gospel with the things that we say? This is something that's very dangerous with the church today. And not just with the church, with just with, with Christians, period. There is 10 different type of Christianities going on right now that has nothing to do with the heart of Christ. And we have to think about what are the things that we're saying and doing? Is this contrary to what the word of God says that we should be saying or doing? If it's... And it, if we're not doing those things, there's a, there's a part in here that we're going to get into where it says, well, you should die. Die. that's serious. That's, you should be cursed for that. Because you're leading people away from the heart of God. And so I think 
that's where we have to start. What is the gospel? Because that is the one thing that has pulled us out of the pit. It's the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Not a fake gospel, not that gospel that makes you feel whatever, the one that convicted us of our sins, the things that we were doing wrong, and showed us that we were not in right standing with the Holy God, showed us that there was a Christ that came down and across for our sins and, and was that sin sacrifice that we had no ability to save ourselves. So we are stuck in this pit, the mud's coming all around this, our own excrement and, and all the other kind of stuff that is just the, the filth that we are is covered in us. Jesus comes down, reaches his hand into that pit, and he pulls us out, cleans us off, put on his puts his robe on us, and says that, hey, now you are the righteous of God in Christ. You're in great standing. You're in good standing with my, with the Father. And When we're not, when we're preaching all these other things, but that we're preaching this gospel that actually does not break chains, but makes the chains look like they're, that we, we pretty much makes the chains shiny and be like, it's okay that you're like this. It's okay that this is the, what you're doing. God loves everybody. When we go, when we preach this tolerance that God is not, when we, um, when we rationalize the things that the world, we bring things into the church and into our lives, into our homes, that is of the world, when it says that we should be separate from the world, that Christ saved us from the world, and we bring the world back into our homes that now is affecting our kids and our children and our wives uh, and our daughters, where you go to work and the gospel that is being preached from your life and your mouth actually doesn't lead people to Christ, but makes the world very comfortable with you. Well, this is what we're going to be talking about today. If you go ahead and you walk for me, man. This is Galatians 1 through 3, right? Yes. All right. Call an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with him. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one to three. All right, keep going. Who gave himself our sins that he might deliver us from the, the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep going. Yep. Yeah. Just go to verse I, Okay. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to the different gospels, which is not a gospel, but there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Although if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then the one we have preached to you, let him be accursed, as we said before. So I say now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then the one you have received, let him be accursed. So here we go. It says the Bible warns us often about the dangers of preaching a gospel other than the biblical gospel given by Jesus Christ and his disciples. 
all scriptural warnings are very strong. So consider Paul's words. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Saul also rebuked the Corinthians for allowing this to occur. So he says, for if someone comes to you and preaches to you, others you preach. Or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. And so it's saying in this verse right here, where he's talking about to the Corinthians, there's so many things that we hear that the world says, and then we, so easily we go from the truth and let that lie permeate into our lives. And so, E, Dennis, um, question to you real quick. What are some things where you feel like um, you can see in the church where some lies have been mixed with the truth and now it's, now the gospel has been perverted in some way, shape, or form? Okay. I'd say I haven't seen these in churches I've attended, but I, I've read in, in the news and other media sources where churches have embraced same-sex marriage. To me, that's a clear, clear uh, signal of something that is not of the of the gospel of Christ. I've seen people who uh, are, let me think, situations, the things that I, I would say that the temptation from the point of view of the leaders in the church would be to soften the message about sin in in the lives of the of themselves and the congregation in fear that they may lose people coming to church and lose the tithe or other donations talking about adultery or divorce or any anything that compromises what we know to be right i don't know if i, I don't I, I wish i had more specifics that come to my mind uh right away but you know, that when you ask me that question, that's kind of what I was, that's what comes to my mind. Yeah. Not yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything in our, I mean, in our church that we go to, but I can say in previous churches, uh, it's all about feel good message dance around the hard topics just to get a crowd and get a number inside the church, not preaching a real gospel that's going to step on people's toes. Um, or, or permeate their hearts the way God wants it to be permeated. You got to be changed from the inside out. And if you're not being changed from the inside out, then what's really happening? You're just being a lukewarm Christian warming up a pew and being a fan like I was back in the day and not being a follower. I can give you an example of a person that I know just recently doesn't go to our church, but goes to a different church. And let's I would say person that works with me, there was a conversation going on about trans editor. And, and they mentioned, I have a friend that's a transgender. And as long as they don't force it down my, my throat, I'm cool with it. I, I accept it. And I just let it be. And I go, and, they, and I had to interject because it was in my sphere. I know the person. And I was like, no, I said, are you a Christian? She goes, yeah. I said, then you don't accept it. You love them, but you don't accept it because once you accept it and you say it's okay, which is against the Bible, 
then what you're doing is letting your children accept it as well. So like that, when they have the opportunity to know Christ, they won't get to know the opportunity that well with Christ because you accepted the things that Christ doesn't accept. And what happens is that spirit attaches to your children. And then all of a sudden they're in school and it's, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay because this is how minds be changed. This is how the editing works. And this is what's happening in our school society. This is what's happening in our, in, in our society, period. Makes you want to think a different way. It's acceptable or tolerant. It's not. And we as Christians have to understand that and remember that, that it's, we cannot tolerate that or accept that, but we can love them and hate the sin and try to do our best to see if we have opportunities to, to have God in us change those that can be changed because God wants to change those as well because a lot of these transgenders and, and gays in reality if you really if you look at the stem of, of what they're coming from they're like evangelists as well because they're so outgoing they're so out there to the point that they, they touch a lot of people and the people get all this fuzzy feeling oh yeah they're cool they're this and they're that it's that evangelist spirit that they have but the evangelist spirit that the enemy wants to use and we as men have to recognize that, especially men that are following in, in Christ's steps. We cannot accept things that are not biblical. And if we continue to do that, then you know what? Who we're preaching the wrong gospel as well, because we're being tolerant. Jesus was not tolerant. Jesus spent time with them, loved them, but preached the gospel. And if they did not want to listen to the gospel, what did it says in the Bible? He dusted off his feet and went on to the next town. That's one of those things, and I'm 100% um, agree with that. But one thing I noticed is that as a church, like the main things that we focus on are those type of things, like the uh, like the the bigger issues in society, whereas like the transgenderism, gay, lesbian, all that kind of stuff, these are absolutely those things. But then what about the things that we're watching? What about the things that we listen to? How, how can this false gospel where it's okay to, to listen to this music that doesn't glorify God, that actually is completely against God, the shows that we're watching that, is, that has um, occult things in them and stuff like that, we're not even, we're not even aware of because we're, we're so out of touch with the spirit and what the gospel actually is saying. This is what it says. This is what the gospel is. Number one, we're saved from what? And that's the wrath of God. And there is no gospel apart from the wrath of God and his righteous judgment against sinners. This is an uncomfortable reality, but one we must hold on to because ignoring or belittling sin does not mean the sin goes away. Jesus is the standard. Each one of us has fallen short and sinned against him. The thing is, the true gospel is a very uncomfortable thing. It's, it goes against, it literally goes against human nature. And it crashes against your sensibilities. It crashes against your pride. It crashes against the ways that you're thinking are right. It, it, it crashes against all those different things. And it tears it down. And it messes up your mind. And you're just like, oh, no, this can't be true. Because this means that I am the one that is just like this. We go so deep into these other things, but if, if you just one sin and you're guilty of them all, that's the truth of the gospel. And 
the next part of it is we're saved by whom? Jesus Christ. Christians are saved from the wrath of God by the, by the righteous blood of Jesus, the spotless sacrificial lamb who absorbed the wrath on our behalf. Only Jesus has the power to save the desperate, dead sinners from wrath from God's wrath by giving me eternal life in his name, accomplishing what we never could. And that right there is the other part of it that's like kind of this mind-blowing thing is because now we're in this place where, number one, everything about me is being exposed. The way I see, the way I live, the way I talk, all these things are, are actually at war with God and separates us from him. The things that like, I've been thinking with this right this whole time, it's offensive. And then on top of that, you mean to tell me that I got to depend on this thing that I can't, this, this seems like this thing that I can't see to save me? I can't save myself? Oh, come on. That's... Number one, that's a hard thing to accept. And then, I'll be honest with you, that takes a very strong man to preach. Because your friends aren't going to like you. Your mom's not going to like you. Your brother's not going to like you. All kind of, Nobody's going to... People are not going to like you telling them the truth. But at the same time, when someone comes to Christ, and I've seen this countless of times, they love the fact that you told them the truth. Because you have to look at things this way, right? Pretty much every unsaved person right now that's in your sphere of influence is pretty much already on fire. They are doused. They've been lit and they're burning in their sins. They're already in chains and bondage and in this massive prison of sin and shame and condemnation and all these other things. And then not even just condemnation, sometimes condemnation from our own self-righteousness as Christians saying this and this, and we're not applying the gospel to these things. We're saying, hey, you're wrong, but we're not saying, hey, this is the God of the, this is the God that's created you that's, that you are doing wrong against. You're not doing wrong against me. You're doing wrong against this holy God that created you, that gave you the very breath that you breathe. And and you're separated from him. But you have the opportunity to be in right standing with him and have an eternity with him. That takes a different type of man to actually be in that place to be able to, number one, accept that message and to be able to tell it and not be ashamed to tell it. To not when, the, when your co-workers and your friends and all that other kind of stuff are talking about these issues you want to cower behind a water cooler and agree with everything that they're saying and not stand up and be like, no, that's not what God says. It's not his heart for you. No. That's not his heart for you. You don't have to sit there and be like, yeah, whatever you do. No, man. Jesus was loved when he went to the woman in the well. That was sleeping with all these men. The way he presented it, where it's just, look, I know you're in this place. I know that you've done all these things, and, and, and he, he exposed all those things. But then he's at the same time, but I'm that living water. 
you can take a drink of. Then when she saw the absolute love of the fact that God did not love her sin, he loved her. He wanted her. He didn't want her to be all fixed up. He wanted her just where she was at. And over that time, that fixed her. See, a lot of times we're coming trying with the gospel to fix the homosexuals, to fix all this kind of stuff, to fix the transgender. That is not the gospel. The gospel came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it says, this is what the gospel does also. It says, we are saved how? We're saved by grace through faith. That is the most important part that we miss about the gospel. It's the grace that was afforded to us to come to it, and we forget about it when we talk to other people. And that's a false gospel when we leave that out. Mm-hmm. And we condemn all these people in the world with, hey, this is the way it is. You're not doing things the right way. That's a false gospel that's not of God. Mm-hmm. And Christians are very bad about this too. The way we protest, the way we go up and be like, and we say things to people. And it's this, is that the way Jesus would really come with his heart? He says, by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, as any man should boast. So this is the truth. True faith, I bring nothing to the table. I come empty-handed because, number one, we're saved by God's wrath from all the stuff that we've done. We needed that sacrifice, that Jesus, to pull us out of a pit. That's the reality of where we're at. And then it says, I come to the table empty-handed, but Christ gladly gives himself for me. For faith is trusting that when I was dead in sin, Jesus did everything to purchase eternal life for me by his death on the cross, his resurrection to a new life. And faith is trusting that Jesus did this apart from anything that I've done. And see, three gospels, simple ones, the good people gospel, the one that says we're basically good people, we make mistakes, nobody's perfect, and all people have a good heart. This claim is wrong and dangerous because ignoring sin does not make it disappear. And a lot of the things that we are teaching when it comes to the gospel and what we are telling people in our lives by the way we live also, because we are living these lives that where it's just, oh, I'm a Christian, but I can cuss and drink with you and do all these other kind of things. We talk, we look at that lady and we talk and we just joke with our buddies about, man, she got some big old, and we do all these things, man. And the world's looking at us and they're just like, oh, man, he's a good guy. He's a good, I mean, he's a good dad. He's a good worker and all the other kind of stuff and, and we live this kind of gospel out the good people gospel the thing is it says recognize the sin means there's someone whom will we be held accountable even though our pride does not roll with that idea sin is real and it's power we need rescuing from no one is good no not one this is the truth of the gospel self-esteem gospel this is one, believe in yourself. You might have some struggles and issues, but you're resilient. There's a savior who will give you all you need to solve your problems. This is another dangerous one because it masquerades sin as insecurity or a negative self-image rather than calling it what it is. Remembering belittling sin does not make it go away. When we belittle sin, we lose the gospel. For Jesus says, I came to call the right, not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
the expressive individualism gospel. This one claims that Christianity is all about being true to yourself. How many guys have heard this one? Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Live authentically. Is that anything that the Bible actually says? Because it says we are supposed to live like who? Christ. Like Christ. Like Christ. Not live your best life. Not be your best self. Because your best self is the one thing that actually separates you from God. That's the thing that he had to save you from, being your best self. Because your best self was filthy before a holy God. So this run, this idea, runs counter to everything the gospel says. It says we are sinners who can't trust our hearts because they're deceitful. And apart from Christ, we are slave to sins, not free in ourselves. This is Jeremiah 17, 9, Romans 6, 17. Our sins darken our minds and blind us to God's reality, so we're unable to discover what's authentic and true. And it's the 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Here's one, the optional Jesus gospel. All right. This believes here that Jesus is a way, not the way. Huh. A person can find their way to God through a number of different spiritual experiences. You guys talk to me about this one. All right. <laughs> With a, so I just named three, four of them. I'm going to go through. There's, there's three more after this one. Four of them so far. Tell me what you guys think. E, tell me what you think about the optional Jesus gospel. Jesus is the way not the way. Talk to me about the expressive, following your heart one, the self-esteem of the gospel, believe in yourself. And um, if you look at all these gospels, it's, it's all self-portraying to I. I in the Bible is I. Pride falls before man. Pride falls before God. If we live these kind of, and, and that's the sad part, that a lot of people are living these gospels out there, not realizing they're self-promoting themselves. That's all it is. And who better yet than the father of lies to self-identify self with himself so like that you can separate yourself from everybody else. And um, if we lived that way, we would not be doing this right now because we were all, even though we're speaking about these gospels, we were all living that, all of us. And the men that are listening, they're living that. And once they start dying to themselves, as it says, because you got Galatians here. So if you was to go to Galatians 2, I believe 220, or 2.19, it says, For though the law I am dead to the law, that I might live for God, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself to me i do not nullify the grace of god for the righteousness covers by the law then christ died in vain man that says it all right there my brother <laughs> that says it right there these gospels are so false that it makes you fall every day you wake up every single day depressed with anxiety, with thoughts of suicide, with not caring about anybody, hoping that somebody out there one day can tell you that they actually love you and mean it. And even with that, it's hard for some people to take. 
And that's the gospels that are out there right now. Self-proclaimed this, self-proclaimed that. You can do better. Love is love. You hear that so many times. Love is love, man. You can't be hate. Love is love. He said, like when I heard from one, one brother, my head said, love, mm-hmm. if love is love, he pedophiles love as well, right? Mm-hmm. So the heart of man is evil. This, that's just a given fact. Until you die to yourself, Galatians 2, 20, you ain't going nowhere, man. You're still going to be stuck in the mud, in the pit, not realizing that the mud is covering your eyes and you cannot see God's hand in the pit to pull you out. But the, the thing that strikes me about this is that this these what you are saying, Patrick, is absolutely true. And I see it, it all the time, but I think that oftentimes the, the, the message starts, well, a lot of error starts with a partial truth. Okay, so there is truth to the fact that God created each of us and he created us for a purpose. There's absolutely truth in that and that there is value because we are children of God. However, there's also the truth that we are, as we've been talking about, wretchedly sinful from birth. We were, we were all born uh, in in a state of sin and to be able to deal with both of those is something that i think is often missed because we want to help people who are wrestling with this to to, to who are saying that they have no sense of self-worth that i when i was wrestling with this as a young man or younger man was dealing with this all the time, even after I came to faith in Christ, then there, there there's this balance that, that has to come, and it has to come through Christ. It has to come through the gospel. It has to come through our time in prayer with God to recognize, at least as I'm seeing it, that there are many things about me that I need to I recognize as sinful, selfish, you know, the, when we talk about the do your own thing kind of stuff, do what makes you feel good or love is love. I admit that I, 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 I was unfaithful in my previous marriages and I could say I didn't because I recognized I was being sinful at the time, but I could justify it if I were believing that, well, love is love. I'm in love with this person now. And that's totally wrong. It's totally wrong if we are embracing that as a philosophy because what it does is it justifies our sinfulness and our selfishness and, and the like. So well, I need to die to that aspect of who I was or who I am and to focus on what God is calling me to, what Christ is calling me to, and to that higher standard, which I will never reach. But it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be striving for it. I mean, that I'm I wish I were a better Bible scholar because it's like I'm, I know the scriptures here behind us that say we always strive for that. We will never reach it, but we should always strive to be perfect. And that doesn't, and at the same time, as we are following where God is calling us, where I erred was I was seeing myself as this. I was seeing myself as being wretched and 
unworthy and God couldn't use me. That was what I was thinking when I saw that difference between a holy God and my wretched self. And that is something else that the evil one wants to use to keep us from from doing what God calls us to do. And that either or, yes, I'm, I, they were both and. We are both sinners and we are saved because of the sacrifice of Christ and my faith and acceptance of that gift. Yeah, I, I lost my track on where I was going with that. But I think uh, oh, we're getting back to the false gospels. I think when we, when, when we have Christian leaders who are maybe trying to help folks who are like myself to get myself from just, oh, I'm a horrible, wretched person, and that's all I thought about myself, to say, hey, you have value because you are a child of God, and we then get off track because, oh, this person is so aware of their sin that we no longer talk about the sin. That's where I think that, that it can lead congregations to these essentially false gospels. When you say that, Dennis, this might sound like a harsh or counterproductive, uh, right? But the thing is that when you're having those feelings, address them as that is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you were terrible, wretched, horrible, crappy people. That's where the grace of God comes in, swoops in, takes all that and goes, go put my son he sees you as worthy of his sacrifice. His blood covers that sin, past, present, and future. And what happens is when you accept him as your savior, now you're not under this condemnation on this rock. We're going to get further in that as we go through Galatians, this whole part where we're like, I'm this terrible, wretched person, and you're constantly being beat by the law, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, constantly tends to smack me. But what the grace of God does, he goes, you're no longer under this. Once you get saved, that law goes, he goes, now go and sin no more. So now you get to walk in this victory as you are not no longer that that wretched, terrible person because grace came in, covered you, placed the robe of righteousness on you, and now you are forever victorious. That's the way you get to walk now. And so the truth has to be said. So like when preachers are being, oh no, man, it's gonna be good. This just like you were saying, like the optional Jesus or the option not the option of Jesus, to be true to yourself, follow your heart, where it goes, believe in yourself. That's that 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 gospel that's that's saying that. And guys, no, yeah, you're right. I'm glad you actually figured that out. You're right. You don't compare them all this. You don't do this kind of things. But for God to love the world, I love the world so much as I sent my only son for you that if you just believe on him, you will not perish, but you'll have eternal life. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is fair. Man, how beautiful that is. If we're on the optional Jesus right now, so this is number four, the optional Jesus. And it says, it says that the belief that said Jesus is not the way, a person can find a way to God through a number of different spiritual experiences. 
And this is one of the most dangerous ones when you start to mix in. I, I, I have a, a brother of mine that I'm, I think I might invite on here one day to talk about like the new age thing that happened. Actually, a sister of mine also, I think it's okay to have a sister to come on here and explain like some of her experiences, especially this new age thing where you get wrapped up into things that sound like, oops, that sound like Christ. Sorry, guys. That sound like Christ, but then like they lead you down this dark path and you find out that it's completely not of God at all. It's the exact opposite. It's absolutely demonic. Me, we were all, <laughs> we were all there. We got to hear the testimony of my, my brother Colton and my sister Aaron, and just like that road that just took them down this other path that was like leading people away from Christ and then put them in the serious, like spiritual, like hell. Because there's he, these other experiences, spiritual experiences, it's not, he got, Jesus got, Jesus goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth. The way, the truth, the life. No man can come into the Father but by me. And we try all these other different things, and it's not true. Just to say Jesus is optional, not only goes against the Bible's teaching about who Jesus is. This is John 14, 6, and Acts 14, 2. But if towards the gospel, if you can, you guys look that up, John 14, 6, and Acts 14, 12. One of you guys can take one of those each. I'll. So now, you need to read which, those which do you want me to do? Dennis, if you could do John 14, 6, E, Acts 4, 12. Okay. All right, I'm there. John 14, 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There you go. Acts 4, 12. There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So it says to say Jesus optional not only goes against the Bible's teaching of who Jesus is, but it promotes the gospel. It actively goes against the gospel and combats it. For Jesus is not really the holy righteous son of God who came to bear sin, absorb God's wrath and make peace with God through reconciliation wouldn't so I wouldn't be condemned forever. There is no good to believe. There is no good news to believe. That just really think about the things that we are teaching through our lives, what we're saying. This is very important, man, because this is the beginning of your walk. Because every Christian, the second he gets saved, is an ambassador of the gospel. He's a witness of the testimony of God, the second he comes to Christ, he is able to actually go tell other people about Christ the second you come to Christ. So this is a much bigger responsibility as men to start off your walk. It's the number one, know what it is that you are, that you have been filtered with and know what it is. Like, so like the gospel, like when we talk about like yeah, how you identify a, a real dollar bill and a fake dollar bill, this is what this is about. Right now, I'm giving you all these different things, but the cap, but the true one, we're looking, we're examining what the truth is. And now we can look at these other things that look like the truth. And now we can see that they're false. We can identify it quickly and make sure that we are telling our wives and our kids and our families, the people around us, the truth of what things are. 
and be bold and stand up in that because these are the things because if we're not doing that we are actively going against god and the truth that he has put into us all right so the next one is prosperity gospel the distorted view that jesus says that he guarantees his followers a happy healthy life with no troubles to be actually absolutely honest he promises the exact opposite so this is where the devil is very tricky always distorts the truthful lie and it sounds good it sounds so good because why wouldn't jesus make our life better the thing that he does but not the way you think not with prosperity and happiness and a healthy life like that suffering i can't tell you how all the terrible things that have happened in my life have actually been these things that led me to a greater relationship with christ like a, a deeper understanding of how good he is and that's the prosperity that i have in him i might not have anything i might not have a car i might not have a place to stay i might have not have money i might have no food but then the peace that comes the miracles that you see him do in your life where this god that you can't see literally it's the thing you see the most and when you see God in that way, the prosperity that comes from that in your soul, the connection that you have with Christ, man, oh my so, God, like it's so, I wouldn't take anything back. So Patrick, let me ask you a question. Go ahead, man. What does prosperity gospel look like in the churches these days? Ah. Uh, I think it's this thing where when you get saved and they, and when they talk about this prosperity gospel, it's this thing where the, the name it and claim it thing, where it's just, I want a car and God's going to give you a car if you pray for it and all that other kind of stuff. I've learned <laughs> over the last two years, you can pray for a car, but, but <laughs> that's it. But God, the way to sit that's in your right. car. You sit and be a, an E and a Dennis and a Matt and a Jeremy and an Eric and a Sean and a, an Ashley and a, and a Larry and a, and a, and a, and a Gary multiple cars. I even got the I got to ride two cars in one weekend. I had a I had a the, the dope Jeep man where you could take the top off and I was like I was looking cool and then I had a a Land Rover <laughs> in one weekend I could be switch cars. It looked like I had two cars, and it's funny how God does that. I, I, but it was I was so prosperous at that time because man, not only did I have one ride, but I had two really dope rides. Not only, but man, that was like one of the coolest weekends where I was just like I was laughing to myself because I had to switch one car to go to my brother's house to get to let out the dogs, and then go back in that other car to go back to the house that I was watching for the weekend, and it was it tickled me to death. Because these Jeep people, right? How they every uh, I, this is a Jeep community around here, and they just everybody's oh, hey. so I'm like I'm part of this Jeep community, and uh, I don't own no Jeep, but I'm like <laughs> nice Jeep. <laughs> I'm cracking up because this guy is so good, man. And so what that looks like in the church, man, it's just oh man, God's gonna give you everything you need, and the thing is that but He doesn't promise you wealth and riches, which is what the church says. So where a lot of these preachers are preaching. God doesn't want you to be poor. He wants you to be wealthy. And it's, is that necessarily true? Because sometimes wealthy actually 
distract you from God. God knows who you are. Yes. So some people he's called to be wealthy because they have been in this place. Other people he called that for them just to have just enough so they can depend on him differently. And the thing is that I've met a lot of people that's not wealthy, but their walk with God is so insanely strong. And the kind of gospel and the kind of testimony they have, which is so much more people because the authenticity of struggle and people being able to understand that. And that's where their wealth is at. And measure wealth by money. God measures wealth by a totally different standard. And so if he does promise wealth and prosperity and these things, which he doesn't, you know, it would look completely different than what our minds see it as. And so this soul prosperity gospel, man, it's just, as soon as they start promising things outside of the scripture, what the scripture says, because here's the, here's the truth of what the prosperity gospel, this is what Christ says. The truth is this, Jesus suffered. Those who believe in him will suffer too. If you're not suffering and you're not going through certain things and, and you're for the cause of Christ, this is different. The cause of Christ for standing up for what is right, for saying the truth, for actually spreading the gospel. That's what the suffering is about and stuff like that. And even the things that we do go through, but it says, those who believe him will suffer too. Jesus says, if anyone kind of would come after me and deny himself, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We must guard against the belief that Jesus is here to cozy up our lives and make everything easy for us. If we're deceived to believe in this, won't follow Jesus for long, or we will be disappointed, bitter, even harder to God when things do not go our way. And how often does that happen? We pray, and we're like, I prayed, and I prayed, it didn't happen. I prayed, and, oh, man, I'm just going to be, it's, and yeah, my, it's, my friend died, I prayed, and I didn't get that house. I prayed, and this, I didn't get this job, and then we get mad, and we get angry, because we asked for something, and we did not get it. And that's a false view of our holy God that's already given us everything. Right. The thing is, we already have everything that he wants us to have and need. We just haven't saw those things through the right perspective because we're looking at God for the things that we want. And that's exactly. different. Exactly. And I know I'm mindful of our time here, but you brought up a couple of things here that I think could occupy at least one or more of our episodes and one that I'm thinking is we talk about all this is in my opinion it's all the same heart as witchcraft because what is witchcraft it's me manipulating the world to get me what I want and then the second is when we talk about prosperity I know it comes in I know that it, when we hear when we preach talk about the tithe what's the verse that is almost always used test me now I, so what is that saying to us? It's saying you're, you're going to have an abundance of things. Is the tithe wrong? No, it's not. But are we introducing the idea that by hmm. giving, we're going to get in the, in the physical and, and financial yes. realm? Yeah, I think that could be pretty um, controversial. <laughs> If you yeah. want to, to deal with that yeah. here in another episode, but uh, it, it, it tends to fail to tell you that when, when you test God, you're giving, 
people will take it as, yeah, you're like, you're just saying, I'm going to get this. No, this has to do with your inside. This has to do with your spirit. This has to do with right. your soul. You're going to have trust. Right. Have right. And, and like I said, I, this, I, I'm opening up a little can of worms, so to speak, because I know that there's a lot more in both of those topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you were talking about that, Patrick, it's a, we can't, I can't just understand that, but not say, hey, w- there's a lot deeper that we can go on both of those subjects. On prosperity, gospel, 1999 gets you a handkerchief that you can heal you. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, unless this is just be so aware, open your eyes to where you're at. This is a sign of self evaluation. So that's five. Okay. And then here's the end of that. The truth is, we follow a suffering savior in a fallen world affected by sin. Our Jesus did not avoid suffering, but what did he do? He entered into it to bring us salvation. It says to count all joy for our sufferings. That's right. James 1 2. Count all joy. See, we have a very <laughs> confused, just opposite thinking of what the gospel is. And some of us, and I'm talking about this now, if you were to really self-evaluate, you've prescribed for some of these things. There's six and seven, these are the last two guys, faith in the gospel. This distortion, this is number six, faith in the gospel. This distortion claims that faith in something else is sufficient to save me. Faith in my good works, faith in enough self-loathing, faith in a right understanding of God. This was one for me, faith in a right understanding with God. Of God, I meant. And it's just, no, it's just God. It's just that simple. It's hard to believe that God would give salvation as a free gift without requiring that we earn it in any way, shape, or form. Because our sin nature screams for independence and control. We want to have something to do with our salvation. And we cannot add one thing to the finished work of the person of Jesus Christ. It is finished. Death is defeated. Evil is overcome. This is John 1930. And so, by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God for eternal life for Jesus Christ our Lord. It's just that. Grace is something is unmerited favor of things that we do not deserve. Unmerited favor. Just he loves us. That's it. He loved us and wanted to save us from our sins to put him in right standing with us. So there was nothing that we could do. And there's no other thing like we, we that faith and good works, man. That's a lot of things that's taught in the church about what you do and all this other kind of thing. And there's no, it's not about what you do. It's about what you ask God to do through you because you can't do it. That's the true gospel. I am not a, I cannot be the man of, even if you, your best good that you can possibly do, you could be like the most kindest, philanthropist person, but outside of God and his grace, it is filthy rags. And then I don't know if you, and then this is something when filthy rags has talks about that in the Bible, that is actually the rags that somebody uses during ministration. 
the rags that you use when you clean up pus and all these other kind of things. And just, it's the most disgusting thing that you can think of. And so that's what our good works is that we're trying to do on our own outside of faith. That's what that is. And so this is the true gospel that we're talking about. So right, you're identifying the markers right now. The last one is faith, the faith soul gospel. Now, opposite end of the spectrum is what theologians call cheap grace, which says Jesus is my righteousness and perfection, so I can live however I want to because in the end, I'm saved. This one's the most dangerous one, fellas. It says, yes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but we are set free from sin's power to live for Christ, not to remain in our sin and live any way that we want, but take wrong advantage of God's grace and forgiveness that sin may abound. It completely belittles what Christ did and cheapens his free grace or his free gift of grace. Faith does not give us freedom to stay in sin. It frees us from our sin so we can live increasingly to point to Jesus. See, Fred is... Though we need to know the truth of the gospel from this conference, we must know that the gospel is about the person of Jesus Christ and his grasp on us. You can intellectually ascend to the gospel and, and you can know it without ever grasping it. That's very important. You can know it, but if you don't grasp it, that's the problem. So many of us know the gospel. We haven't grasped it and held on to it. And that's the thing that is actually who we are. Without ever grasping it, without ever marveling at what the miracle Christ has accomplished, without it ever really truly transforming your heart. But Jesus came so you would love him, walk closely with him, and worship him, to see him work in the realest moments and seasons of your life. See, and as we come to this close this is what it's all about Jesus came so you would love him number one number two that you'd walk closely with him that you'd worship him that you would see him work in the realest moments and seasons of your life. See, that is why I'm on the adventure of a lifetime right now. Because the more I grasp on to the truth of the gospel, the more I grasp on to the fact that this is all about the person of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm starting to know it. It just starts to become this marvelous thing. Where it's just like every day, there's this new aspect of Jesus, this new aspect of God that I didn't know before that he reveals. And it's just, this is why I died for you. This is why I love you. This, <laughs> I just had an experience last night where, and, and then I'm going to open the floor for the last comments from you two guys real quick, but I just want to talk about this real quick. I just had an experience yesterday where um, I had just been wrestling with this thing about just uh, prayer. I'm like, God's asking me to go into this different kind of prayer life. 
and to get up early and to create and to have a greater discipline so I can really actually reach the masses because I'm an evangelist. God's called me to be an evangelist. I've, I've had to, this recently in the last two, two to three months here, about two months now, maybe three months actually, where everybody's been telling me, but, and I've known since I was a kid and stuff like that, but for the first time in my life, I'm really like, okay, God, this is where you've called me to. But now that he's called me to this, now God's calling me to this higher standard that is starting to empty things out of my life and really clash with things that I don't want. <laughs> I don't want that calling the clash with because that means I have to become uncomfortable. That means I have to let go of things. That means that the things that I used to care for, I can't care for anymore. And the things that I need to care for that just seem so great and grand uh, and impossible, I really have to start working on these little things in my life that prevent me from being there. And discipline is one of them. So the thing is, this is the truth of things, right? If I really want to do this podcasting thing, right? And God's called me to reach the masses. I can't no longer get up at eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning anymore. Because if I get up at seven, that means that in the time that I want to walk with God, that means I get done with that about eight. And then eight comes. And then to be really honest, a lot of the phone calls and all the stuff that I have to do to connect with people starts to happen around that time between eight and three, really. And now at eight, I'm starting that day. I'm trying to get all the little tedious things that need to be done that needs a little, a lot of time and attention, but I'm trying to do that in the middle of making phone calls and doing whatever needs to be done. And so my day becomes really inefficient and the Holy spirit has been just like, Pat, yeah, you get things done and, and a lot still happens if you do that. But if you really want me and my heart and you want to reach my people, you're going to have to maybe discipline yourself and sacrifice some things. And now the Lord has just put on my heart. You need to, I want you to get up and start walking with me four o'clock in the morning, four four thirty in the morning. Like what? Come on, man! Like that means I gotta go to bed at eight. You know what I mean? When you're like, I don't want to be that old dude. Eight o'clock comes around, and you're like, oh, and just like you can't function if you gotta go to bed. But then God goes, but He goes, but feed my sheep. Ah, oh, man, that's what He was talking to to Peter when He was saying. Feed my sheep. What is that? What are you? What you couldn't be with me so you can do that? Oh man! And so this morning was that first morning I got up today, and then not only this is how good God is. I I was struggling with that, and I was like the Lord was leading to me me to that Saturday. Really, it was when it really started hitting me, and I went out and I did this walk. I was walking with God, and. And then yesterday I had a brother that I haven't talked to probably in a close to a year. What is Vincent Connor? The last Vincent Connor. He that's been about a year, right? For all 2022. Yeah, it's been a year. I haven't talked to his brother in a year, and we connected last night. And then so I've been listening to message and things that Addis has been talking about just going deeper with God and then what it's gonna require for a man of God to actually walk in the calling of God and the things, these little things that you have to do. 
And then the next thing I'm talking with my dad about it. And my dad's just, he's one of those guys that's just, he really lives it out. That's a man that I've seen really live it out and change throughout the years. And one of the few people I can see in my life that embodies the walk that a man should have with God. When the few men that I, I really watch and I can see in authenticity, that is the same way at home as it is outside, as it is at work, as it is, it's consistent. And so I'm talking with him about this and we're just having this great time talking about it and God's reconfirming these things in my life. And then this brother out of nowhere, we connect last night and then he re-reconfirms the same thing. And then I wake up this morning and go on this walk and then God puts a stamp on it. Hey, I got you up at four o'clock this morning so you can actually walk with me. And then that time was so beautiful with them because it's hard to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and then to know that I'm going to have to do that every day. But then what changed in my heart for the first time ever was that I got up and I was looking forward so much to just spending time with God. That was the difference. Before, it was like, I have to wake up at 4 o'clock. But this time, it was like, oh, I get to spend time with my daddy God today. And I was looking forward to the things he's going to show me and all that kind of stuff, which brought this whole thing about. And, like, we find it. God was already dealing hard with this, but it refined it in that moment because I was able to walk with him, and then now you're getting the results of that. And let the gospel change again. My brothers out there, let the gospel change you. Understand what the true gospel is. Evaluate yourself on these things. So evaluate yourself. Do you have the good people gospel, number one? Number two, do you have the self-esteem gospel? Number three, are you the expressive individual gospel, the wrong gospels that are being taught? Number four, the optional Jesus gospel. The prosperity gospel is number five. Number six, faith in the gospel. And number seven, the faith in the faith and soul gospel. Which one of these are fighting the true gospel that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man with the Father but by him? All right, fellas, I'll open the floor to you and then we'll close it out. Eve, you can give us the final statement, man, and stuff like that. And Praise God for this, and I just I'm, we're grateful to do this this morning and, and to help us and teach us as well and teach those that are listening that are out there. As it says in Corinthians 2, 16, nevertheless, we, when everyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all seeing the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces as in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being perfected as we die to flesh and raise up to the dead again to serve Christ and walk that out. So I tell you, my brothers, let God pull you out of the pit and let, all, let his all-consuming fire burn you up. All right, fill in. I just want to want to say that that's this for me. This points out just how challenging uh, it can be to to walk out and live out this this faith 
And so my encouragement is uh, for any guy who's listening to this is that, you know, it's not enough simply to hear a message on YouTube or listen to some somebody speak what appears to be truth, but you need to to check it out. Is it, how does it line up with the word of God? You need fellowship. You can't see so many Christians who have gotten away from going to church on Sunday. You need that fellowship. We need that community. You need a brotherhood. You need guys like E and Patrick in your life so that you can bring questions to, and we can, we can challenge each other about these ideas or things that we think that we're hearing that sound good, that have scripture attached to it, that we need this community. We need each other. And we, most of all, we need scripture and we need a relationship with our father, God to guide us. Thank you, Patrick. No, no, all glory to God, man. All glory to God. All right, I'm going to pray for you fellas real quick and uh, say a prayer, and we are going to close it out. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for each and every single man, Lord, that hears this message, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, to embolden us, Lord, to grab on to the gospel, Lord, that we seek it, Lord. You promised me your word that if we seek it, Lord, we'll find you. And so right now, Lord, I just, any man, Lord, right now, Lord, that is struggling, Lord, with his identity in Christ, Lord, that he understands, Lord, that all he has to do, Lord, is just, it says, the mouth man confesses unto salvation, Lord. All he has to do is just say, Lord, just, I sin against the Holy God. I've done wrong against you. I accept the free salvation that is your gift through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, Lord. I believe that he died, buried, and rose again for my sins. And, and I accept and I give my life back to my creator, Lord, that created me. And I gave that free gift for me. It's just that simple. It's not the words that save you. It's the actual belief. So if any man hearing this has never accepted Christ as Savior, there you go. That's the formula. And it's just putting your heart and your hands and, and your soul back into the hands of the God that made it. For any other men that are just struggling with their walk and the gospel, Lord, I pray, Lord, you just bring them, Lord, into right standing with you, Lord, that they see the counterfeit, Lord, and they go back to the original. And Lord, they walk these things out, Lord, and not prescribe, Lord, to the things of this world, Lord, and then see them as truth because it says narrow is the gate and wide is the path to destruction. And so, Lord, just that counterfeit stuff is the wide path. It's the wide path, Lord. It's going to lead so many Christians and so many people, Lord, that think that they're saved, Lord, away from God, straight into destruction, Lord. But there's only one way, one truth among life, and that path is so narrow, Lord. And, Lord, we have to walk that path out, Lord. It says we have to also work out our salvation, Lord. In your word, it says you have to work out our salvation. And that is, Lord, actually just all it is, it's just walking in the ways that you told us to. Because what you say, Lord, is that the world were knows by our fruit. Your sheep hear your voice and they follow. Are we following the true gospel, Lord? It's the sheep of our lives reflecting the true gospel. So then that person eats the sheep from our tree, Lord. The gospel is the only thing that's permeating, Lord. Not the counterfeit, not the poison of this world, Lord. 
not this fake sleep, Lord, that actually makes us sick and turns us away from your heart. Lord, blessings upon every man, Lord, that is struggling today, Lord. Lord, let him know, Lord, that he can turn his heart to you. Any man, Lord, that's just dealing with his life and trying to figure out, Lord, if he still wants to be here, let him know, Lord, that, Lord, you created this whole life and world for him. Lord, he can know the goodness, Lord, of your creation, Lord, which is who he is. And Lord, live this life of abundance, Lord, of now knowing who we are supposed to be. Lord, for that man, Lord, that's going through the anxiety, Lord, and stress, Lord, and, and not understanding, let him know, Lord, that your truth, Lord, is this, Lord. You say, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as men, Lord, we step out, Lord, into the authority that's given to us through the blood of Jesus Christ and walk, Lord, as if we are the righteousness of God in Christ, Lord, because that is who we are. When we have accepted you as your Savior, we are made righteous before you, and we are victorious with no change attached to us. And all we have to do is walk like that is the truth. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love you, brothers. Until next time. Uh, thanks to Sister God bless. podcast with Ethan, Dennis, and Patrick. And we're signing off. Value us. Bye. Bye.